Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. So today, though, we're going to talk about the personal as we have our Heads and Tails series. Personal this morning, the communal that um, Cal's going to talk about tonight. And um, the Christian faith is really remarkable when you think about it because it is based on the premise, I think this is right, it's based on the premise that we are personally, as in me, as in you, we are personally invited to meet and to relate to and to even partner with the creator of the universe. Totally balmy if you think about it. If you, if, you, if you think about God who created everything, God who is beyond time, God who is eternal, wants to and invites us into relationship with him, it is, it's completely ridiculous when you think about it, unless it's true, which makes it incredible. Absolutely incredible. If you are of a certain age um, and are an ex-parachute junkie, you will be aware of this song, and um, we'll do a little test, see who who knows it in a minute. My best friend's the creator of the universe. Um, Although he's bigger than the Milky Way, is that that right, Annalise? I wouldn't want to get this wrong. Although he's bigger than the Milky Way, he wants to know about my life today. Although he's bigger than the Milky Way, although he is eternal, he wants to know about me and my life and who I am today. And so this morning, I want to talk about three areas that are in this, three incredible areas of the invitation that we have to meet God, the invitation that we have to love God, and the invitation, this might be a slightly new idea, the invitation that we have to create with God. We'll, we'll work around and work through with that. And all of those things personally, personally as in Vic Francis, Vic Francis gets to meet God. Vic Francis gets to love God. Chris Harbour gets to meet God, love God, create with God. Adele Ash gets to do the same thing. Kenneth Liu gets to do the same thing personally. We're by name, by, by the knowledge of who you are, not just shoving your church, not just parachute, you know, pumping out with the, with the lads singing, you know, my best friend's the creator of the universe, but you uh, personally, individually, by name, known by God and encouraged into that sort of relationship. And so we start by thinking, you know, there's a personal invitation to meet and to go on meeting God. And I'm, I'm going to put in brackets here in each of my points and, and to go on and to go on because I think it's more than just a, a one-off thing. But this meeting with God thing is a very individual thing, an important thing that we get to do um, as, we, um, as we encounter God. It's been said, not, not 100% sure about this, but it's been said, and it's, it's a worthwhile to think of, that God has no grandchildren. So God, God only in that 
aspect or that understanding of it is, is working with people of a first generation. I, I know that we're affected by lots of other things, so it's a broader story than that. But for the sake of today, it's an important, it's an important thing we do. You know, you, we don't become a Christian by being part of a Christian family. We don't become a Christian by going to church even. We don't become a Christian because we're around Christians or have good morals or whatever it might be that we might get confused along the way. But we become a Christian by meeting God. We become a Christian by responding to an invitation of God to come and meet us. And, and there has to be a moment, and I would argue probably a, an ongoing series of moments, but there has to be a moment where at some point we come towards God with a fair bit of awe and a fair bit of um, reverence. And as Paul puts it, we work out our salvation or we begin the process of working out our salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians 2.12. This is an important moment in our life. John puts it this way, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And that's a very personal thing for us. It's a, a very important thing for us to come to grips with. Paul again says in 2 Corinthians that sooner or later, we will all have to face God. Sooner or later, we're going to come face to face. Regardless of our conditions, we will appear before Christ and takes what's coming as a result of our actions, either the good or the bad. And so there is, this, there is this important thing for us to know that we need to meet God. And God is loving and God is kind and God will give us lots of invitations for that to take place. But, but the call is the important thing is for, it, for us to meet God. It may be a daunting thought to meet the creator of the universe, bigger than the Milky Way, <coughs> all of those sorts of things. It may be an overwhelming thought. We may be overwhelmed with a sense of our unworthiness to be able to meet that God, but a meeting of God on a personal and individual basis is an absolutely essential thing that we need to know. My son um, uh, met the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, <laughs> just like that, my son, met the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, if that's their name, um, uh, Harry and Megan. And um, so he was invited, he, he, uh, he's a psychotherapist and he, he works for a crisis counselling line and um, he was invited to go down to Wellington and, and to get to meet them. Now before he got to meet them, he was all in a dither because what do you do? What do, what do I wear? He goes through my wardrobe. <laughs> what do I wear? He said, you know, you got any shirts, Dad, that I can wear? He rejected them all, so that probably wasn't surprising. Um, what, what am I going to say to them? What's it going to be like? What, are, what is the protocol? What is the, what is the etiquette? What are the things that you have to do when you meet them? Just like we would, you know, kind of if we were doing and getting the opportunity to meet Harry and Megan. And then he got there, and of course it was, um, it was a whole lot easier than he thought or that he had in his mind. So they're sitting around a table, he's with two workmates, and Harry and Megan come and sit down at the table with him, and they begin just to chit-chat about mental health because it's an important thing to, to the royals, and it's an important thing, obviously, within our country, important thing to my son. And so they, they get to chat, and, and, and the, the conversation's going to be about 10 or 15 minutes long, and, and, and my son finds that he hasn't even engaged in the first five minutes because everyone else is doing the talking. He realises that he's going to uh, have the one chance of his life maybe to meet a royal, and he's not actually even going to speak a word to them. And so he thinks, I've, I've got to jump in, and I've got, to, I've got to engage in this process. And so he, he, he says, yes, and this is what I think, whatever it is that he said. And so Harry turns to him, and they lock eyes, and for about two or three minutes, they're having a conversation about this is what I think, this is what we think. And John sort of comes out of it, probably a bit like a limp rag, but, but with the sense of, 
I have encountered, or I have encountered, or Royal, I've encountered somebody, and you know, kind of on the on the height of the world stage, and it wasn't nearly as bad, it wasn't nearly as hard, it was much warmer, it was much more um, approachable, it was much more inviting than I ever thought. And I think this is what it's like meeting God. Oh, he's bigger than the Milky Way. Oh, he's um, you know, creator of the universe. Oh, he is eternal. Surely I can't come to him. But if we could get over the hump, if we could get over the, the, the uh, um, I don't know, the re- reservations that we might have, and we get to meet him, we look in his eyes and we find the opportunity to connect and to, and to, and to be together in the invitation of God. That's an incredible thing that God gets us uh, an opportunity to do. And I wonder, you know, because sort of as I'm thinking about this morning, I wonder, is God issuing anyone here a personal invitation to meet him, to meet him today, to meet the creator of the universe because he's interested in your life today, personally. So what else do we think? I think it's a personal invitation to love. So a personal invitation to meet, but also above that, a personal invitation to love and, and, and in an ongoing way to love. Because again, I think it's, it's not something that gets locked down into one great worship service or one, one great encounter that I had with God at one stage. In the vineyard, we, we have a really high priority on worship. So if you come to a vineyard church or vineyard service, you know, like today, beautiful worship, wasn't it? We get the opportunity to worship. And, um, you know, sometimes it's like, well, you know, do we, should we give it that long or should we give it longer or whatever? We always make it a priority. We often say it's our number one priority because, you know, loving God, loving, uh, you know, God loving others, you know, loving God is an expression of worship. We understand, of course, that worship is not just, you know, singing songs or anything like that, but it's a state of the heart. But what a wonderful thing it is. One of the things we sometimes say, though, is that we worship as if for an audience of one. So when we talk about the audience of one, it's like uh, we're worshipping for God. We're not worshipping for each other or for a worship team or whatever it might be. So you can be in a stadium as a Christian with tens of thousands of people and worshipping to you know, a famous band or something like that. But we still worship for an audience of one, even though it's wonderful to be together. We can be in church and we worship together, and it's great to have the skills of musician and the sense of people around us, buoying us, but we still worship for an audience of one. Or we can be in a home group, or we can be alone, and we worship for an audience of one, because this is an invitation to love. The, the little revelation, or I think it's more than a little revelation that I feel like God's given me about this just this week, is that not only do we worship for an audience of one, but God responds also for an audience of one. And the audience of one that God has is me, Vic Francis, Chris Harbour, um, Adele Ash, uh, uh, Kenneth Liu. He's, he's responding to an audience of one as well. He's not kind of looking down, and that's probably a bad description anyway. He's not looking down and saying, oh, there's Shaw Vineyard. I love it when Shaw Vineyard worships. They're saying, I know Armand. I know Lisa. Oh, I love it when you worship me, Alan. It's just this beautiful thing, this beautiful sense of connection, of the personal invitation to love and be loved. And we love and we get love back. And it's this personal, this, this, this by name, this, this magnificent thing that God gives us the invitation to do. And so while the meeting is important, and if you've never met God, we want to introduce you to him, the invitation goes way higher and wider and deeper than that. We're intended to love, and he loves us back. We're intended to give our hearts and he gives his heart back. It's like any close relationship that we might have. So, you know, a, a, your, your best friend. 
uh, a marriage, a, a, a family, you know, kind of um, parent, child or whatever it might be. You know, you can meet anyone. We can meet at church. We can meet at work. We can meet at school or something like that. But that's an acquaintanceship. You might, with a bit of luck, remember their name or something like that or something about what they're wearing or something. But to build a close relationship with someone. Oh, you've got, to, you've got to do some yards with a close relationship. We understand that. That's why we don't have that many close relationships. And so you've got to spend time with them. You've got to go to the movies. You've got to walk down the beach and, you, and watch a sunset. You've got to, you've got to um, cook food together and eat together. And you've got to share lives together. And you've got to say, you know, this is, this is my pain. And, and these are the things that I don't understand. And, and, and then over time, some of those relationships might not work because you don't like that person or they don't like you back. Because when you're vulnerable, when you open your heart, then all of a sudden it, it's just not there anymore. But with the ones that stick, with the ones that are your genuine friends, you know, uh, with your best friends, with your spouses, with people in your family, um, you find and discover that actually the vulnerability and the hurt and the pain and the, and the disclosure actually becomes the basis of a strength in the relationship because I know what you're really like, but I love you and I'm there for you and I'll defend you in what you're really like, not just in the surface thing that it is, Jesus invites us into such intimacy with him. He knows what he really like, we're really like anyway, of course. But he invites us into a vulnerable relationship, a relationship where we're vulnerable. The Gospels themselves, themselves are full of Jesus seeking such vulnerability with the Father, going away, spending time. Jesus says, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Or in, in the message, look at me, I stand at the door. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. Don't you love that sense that, you know, Vic Francis, Chris Harbour, all the other people that I've named and all of the rest of you who I haven't named, that if we were to open the door, that Jesus would come in and he would sit down with us and he would, he would, like, a, he would like a prince and a princess if they were able to sit down and he would engage with our eyes and he would look at us and talk about us to us with the things that really matter to us. Don't you just love that Jesus would do that? That's love. That's a loving relationship, and there's an invitation that we have personally towards that, and so he invites us to this intimacy. So a question, what does the invitation of Jesus towards intimacy and love look like to you? What is it, how's it playing out? What are, those, what are those moments, what are those times that are significant for you? Because it's very important that we're having them. It's very important that we're not putting them off. It's very important that we're making time. No more can our relationship grow than our relationships with our best friend, with our spouse, with our family grow without spending the time and doing and putting in some of those, you know, time, time, time factors that we would put in. Somewhere in our lives we've got to find that time. And while what it looks like may vary, and this is what I think is the magic of the whole thing. Sometimes in church we say, this is what it looks like. This is how a relationship with Jesus is going to look like. This is what you have to do to have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not sure that that is so helpful because it will be so varied because we're so varied. But it can't be neglected or shortchanged or love will die if it ever has grown in the first place. And it can't be communal or it can't only be communal. And Calvin will attack this, of course, tonight. But it can't be communal any more than I can share with you you know, the intimacies of my marriage to Fran or the closeness that we have or the years that we've had, I can't share those things with you because I only have one. And so the, the building of this thing cannot be in community. I can't live my marriage in church. 
or in a wider friendship group. I live my marriage in relationship with my wife, or we can't live our friendships, you know, kind of just by all being out at a, at a concert together or something like that. That's grown in different ways, and so it is, I think, with our faith. And so I was reading a little bit um, uh, today from some, uh, or recently from some of the, the, the ancients in terms of how do you connect with God. And St. John of the Cross, who's just a wonderful, wonderful um, mystic of the 16th century, 17th century, I think, um, coined this phrase of, of being, being the bare tree, which I thought was just an incredible thing. He says, every week or an hour a day or a moment each hour, abide in loving silence with the friend. He says, the friend. Jesus, feel the frenetic concerns of life in this world fall away like the last leaves of autumn being filled from the tree in the arms of a zephyr. Be the bare tree. Be the bare tree with your friend who's Jesus, you know, your capital F friend who is Jesus. What an amazing thing to do. Franny herself, she, um, my wife, she, she uh, has written the syllabus for our spiritual formation for our Vineyard College, and I was reading that this week, and, and she comes up with a statement um, that as we follow Jesus into solitude, so um, St. John of the Cross is talking about silence, as we follow Jesus into solitude, we enter into the relationship with the Father that Jesus enjoys, and she says, the practices of Jesus lead us not towards more rules, but deeper relationship. That's, a, that's really a, a really important thought that. So the practices of Jesus, sometimes because we want to build these temples around them or tents around them or whatever it might be, is this is what it looks like. But the practice of Jesus, they lead us into relationship. I don't think we never have to ever have to worry about things like sin and all of that sort of thing when we're in deep relationship with Jesus. Why would you want to sin when you're in deep relationship with Jesus? And so, and she says, it's this relationship that is transformational. And the love that God has for us is a desire to, to transform. And so I wonder, you know, if there is a personal invitation going out for people to, someone to meet God today, I wonder whether there's a personal invitation maybe to more than someone today going out to love God, to love God, to love God in a new way, to remember that's what it's all about. To remember it's not about church, it's not about singing songs, it's not about doing, it's about being transformed personally, individually, by name, by the love of Jesus and who he is. What else? I think um, it's a personal invitation to create with God and to go on creating with God. So again, this whole idea of, you know, so often we, we, we sort of leave that experience, we move on with the rest of our life, and we don't take our understanding of the experience of God. You know, we bear the image of God. We, we bear the image of God in who and what we are. That's, that is astounding. I've heard quoted quite often, so this is, um, this is obviously sort of a, a take-home for us as a church because I've heard people speak it and, 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 and uh, in sermons and stuff like that, so you may well have heard it and I will have said it before, but the whole C.S. Lewis weight of glory thing, if, if, if we knew the measure of God that was in our neighbour, often the neighbour that we're out of sorts with, he talks about, if we knew who they were, we would be tempted to bow down and worship them. We wouldn't worship a sunset, as we, were, as we were walking along, this, uh, along the beach or something like that and see the setting sun or the sun rising, as magnificent as it would be to honour God for his creation, we would be bowing down towards the person we're walking with or the stranger who's walking the other way because they bear the image of God. It wouldn't be sort of nature or, or greater, um, uh, I don't know, uh, advances in science or, or education or something like that where, that we would be acclaiming. It would be, it would be the people who are sitting next to us because we bear the image of God. That is how 
special we individually are to God. It's just how fantastic it is to meet the creator of the universe and to know how much he loves us. Ephesians 2.10 is just a, just a knockout, I reckon. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has got ready. Um, for us to do. So, so in the NIV, it says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And um, they use the word um, po- poema. It's sort of different in the message, but, but this whole idea of poema is where we get poem from. And um, I just love the thought of God fashioning and creating us as a poem, a testimony um, to himself. Because although I'm not much of a poet, I'm not a writer of poetry, I'm not really a reader of poetry in such a way that I can, that I can grasp it. But when I, when I read, so, so many poets are prophetic, and when you read a poem and you see what the poet's saying, it's just a gobsmacking thing. And I think God is shaping us to be those people when people read us and see us and know we're creating and and those around us, you know, be they in church or out of church, we're creating, I don't know, faith, a recognition of who and what God is. That's the journey of God and what he's doing with us. And I like the thought of my life as a poem or, or prose or, or, or as a painting, say. I, I like the thought that I could paint a big picture on a big canvas with lot, lots of bright colours, you know. I like the thought that I could splash. Or if I'm not that creative, I, I like the thought that, I could be, I don't know, logical and responsible and, 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 and ordered to see things happen. I like the fact that God and I would be able to create that because that's who and what we are. I, I like the thought, if it's not that, that I could be intellectual, that I could be learned, that I could be a thinker and so that I could get the mind of Christ and I could apply that. I like the fact that he's doing that with me. And if I couldn't do that, I like the thought that he might call me to be a server or a lover or a carer or a doer or a giver so that somehow I might represent who and what he is out in the workplace, out in the world, in my family, in my church, wherever it might be, because he's creating with me. And I just think, what an honor is that? How amazing is that to be that sort of God and to know him and to be invited to know him, to tap into three words that are reasonably important to us as a vineyard. You know, we are created for passion. We're created for adventure. We're created for brilliance. That's what, we, that's what we say, you know, kind of at the end of the day, this is what we want to do. We want to love others, love God and love others passionately, adventurously, and brilliantly. Those are words that, that you know, we kick around sometimes as leaders and staff and say, are we being those things? Because it's really important to us to be that. There's this great parable in Matthew chapter 25. Um, we won't go there, but you, you'll probably know it at least a little. It's called the parable of the talents. So I'm going to ask you a question in a sec. So, so just the start of the parable goes like this. There's a, there's a landowner, a, you know, a boss person who's about to leave, gives three of his servants talents, different talents, one, 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 two, and one, five. So some of you will know that story. If you don't, you can read it in Matthew 25. Here's my question. What is the worst thing that you can do with a talent that God gives you from that parable? Does anyone know? Bury it. So losing it's not a big deal, it seems. Even using it in such a way that, that maybe doesn't even make the best of it doesn't seem to be that big a deal. The worst thing that we can do is to bury our talent. And so God has given personally, by name, by each of us, talents, a talent maybe, maybe multiple talents, in different areas, and his invitation to us, the God that we've met, the God that we've loved, 
is to create with that, is to what he's given us, what he's, what he's um, bestowed upon us, is to, is to create something out of that, to work with that. It's not an issue of how many. In a way, it's not even an issue of success. It's an issue of offering. It's an issue of trying, and I, I use that not in, a, not in a striving sort of sense, but an issue of um, opening up to using that is the message of the parable as I see it in anything. The things that God does and creates almost always seem to me to start with somebody saying yes along the way. And, and wonderfully, you know, if you look at some of the scriptures, um, we, we know some of the famous people who said yes. You know, Joshua said yes, didn't he? You know, went to the promised land, brought back a good report, led the children of Israel. Abraham said yes, took them out, Genesis 12. Mary said, yes, you know, we're coming to a new series in a couple of weeks. We're kicking off a new series we're calling Front Page, exploring the great news that is the incarnation and the Christmas story. So follow us through as we do that from two, two Sundays' time. But saying, Mary saying, yes. So, so all of those. But, you know, if you go to Hebrews 11 and the heroes of the faith, you have people like Barak talk about, I bet there's, well, no, I don't want to ask you because we haven't got time. I bet nobody, though, knows what Barak did. There's Rahab's in there. You probably possibly know. Some people will know from Sunday school what, what Rahab did to, along the way. Jephthah is mentioned in there. You probably won't, mention, won't know anything about him or her. Or you might have heard his or her name-ish. She, he, whatever, Jephthah's are. Named as heroes of the faith, by name. But they're not famous, but they're famous to God, and each of us is like that as well. So there's not many of us are Joshua's or Caleb's or Abraham's or Mary's. But boy, a lot of us could be Barak and Jephthah. We could give our gifts. We could do with our gifts. We could create with God from the gifts that we have. You know, I learned something about, the, um, about an orchestra this week. I know there are some people who are actually pretty talented, so I hope this is true. But I'm going to say it really quickly, and there is no, there are, this is not question time. I gave you your chance, okay, when you said, um, you know, buried, buried, you got that all right, and you said the same that I wanted to say. So an orchestra, um, uh, you know, magnificent as the orchestra, is led, at least at the beginning, by the tuning of the orchestra by this in instrument here, it's the oboe. So the oboe is the is the instrument that tunes the orchestra to an A. And the reason that it is, or well, there's a number of reasons, but one of the reasons it is it can be heard above all the other. You'd think it would be the keyboard, wouldn't you, or a tuning fork or something like that. But in fact, it's the oboe that begins the process. You know, who would have ever given, who would have ever known? I was thinking today, you know, sort of, let's name the instruments of an oboe, oh, of an oboe, of an orchestra. And I reckon we might have got through a whole orchestra without ever naming an oboe, except for those who really know these things. But how important is an oboe? Who wants to be an oboe or a conductor or a whatever Jesus calls us to be? For Jesus, well, he invites us to meet him, to know him, to love him, and to create with him. I think it's just such an important thing. And so I wonder whether there is an invitation of God in our service today to be creating with Jesus, to be offering our gifts, to be giving our gifts again personally. No, yes, you, not, not me, not, not him, not her, but you to offer your gift to Jesus. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.